Thank you for listening to Crossing Cultures. If you have been enjoying this show, please share it with a friend. Word of mouth is always great, but you can also help by sharing our podcast with someone. You can also follow us on Instagram at crossing.cultures or on Facebook. Sharing a social media post is always a great way to spread the word. And now, here's our next episode of Crossing Cultures. Previously on Crossing Cultures, we discussed the tensions in Ukraine within the last eight years leading up to Russia's invasion on February 24th, 2022. Our church was involved in supporting our pastor, Phil Metzger, as he and his friends went into Ukraine shortly after the war began. They focused on discovering routes to help take supplies in and bring people out of the country. For about one and a half weeks, they created pipelines for locals to continue their work once they returned home. However, on our side of the globe, we as a church quickly learned that the help and support needed in Ukraine crossed well over the European front. Calvary San Diego has been a refuge for Ukrainians who had just crossed the border from Tijuana on the last leg of their journey. So many Ukrainian families need help and guidance. The assistant pastor here tells me they've helped about 200 to 400 families per day. We have a few churches that are in Ukraine that have been heavily affected by this. And so when we realized this was in our backyard, we thought, What a perfect opportunity. Joy Metzger with Calvary San Diego says they opened their doors when they saw the need. It was just the obvious thing to do. They were in in Mexico. We've been really praying for Ukraine and this whole thing. And then it just happened in our backyard. And so it was like, gosh, Lord, we've been praying about helping. And you've supplied us as the help now. That was CBS Channel 8 News interviewing Aaron Sloboda on the events after Phil returned to the U.S. The conversation you are about to hear is a discussion Phil had with our staff at Calvary San Diego on our involvement in this crisis. Obviously going into Ukraine really, it was amazing. Like the, I don't know if I told you guys this, but like the experience of the day one going in and then the last day leaving. The first day going in, you know, they're wanting to check my COVID vaccination card. This is going into Ukraine. You know, they wanted us to pay like COVID insurance. I don't even know what that is. Like if you get in, if you get COVID, you, I don't know, I don't, I have no idea. But you could see it in the guards. They weren't in war because it was only day two, day three of the war. They weren't in war. A few days later coming out, it was like a madhouse to get out of the country. Nobody cared about any, you know, and, I, and I'm, this is not me making a statement about COVID. It's just more like they were following protocols and still during the war. And then a few days later, it was like, okay, let's forget protocols. We're in a war, you know, and just that shift alone was so, so amazing. And then, you know, we get back here and it was kind of like a deep, like a quick processing of like, wow, we can't believe that that's happened. But it was pretty quick that we started getting, I think I got an email from a buddy in La Mesa who mentioned a Russian church that reached out to him about Ukrainians crossing the border. Hi, my name is Phil Metzger, and in 1992, I moved to Moscow, Russia. From there, I lived in the beautiful Central European country of Hungary, where my family and I spent the next 20 years living, learning, and sharing about Jesus. Different foods, culture, and language, but underneath it all, we discovered the most amazing people. We learned that to share the gospel effectively, we had to adjust. We had to cross cultures. Now we're back in the U.S. and we're discovering that this country is a melting pot of culture. This show is committed to helping Christians connect to those who think, believe, and live differently than them. This is Crossing Cultures.
So I have this text. Um, on March 25th, we were at Sesame Place, and and <laughs> Phil bombs a water slide and gets like three feet worth of yes, air. Yes, I did. And flips. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So it was the same day. I believe wow. we have a video and so, of that. We yeah, we do have that. a video of yeah. that. I have yeah. to put that and, up. and I yeah. texted him. I said, I think I just watched your replay like ten times. Five bucks says you'll feel that tomorrow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's like <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> that was free that was, entertainment. <laughs> exactly. It was six eleven p.m. and then at six forty five p.m. I get a text from you saying, "Hey, can you point this project? I'd like to have people email you if they can help at all in either driving or greeting. I can give you more info as soon as I get it." But I'd like to confirm you organizing a schedule and probably going down and making sure it works first. And I said, absolutely. And then he goes, figured, and already gave your email address to two other churches. I'm hoping we'll want to get involved. Ha ha. <laughs> and so that was the beginning yep. of, of like, so that was Friday. And then Saturday, we, we go down to Mexico, right? Mm -hmm. And just kind of see the, the TJ happening? airport. And so we look at the airport, and we, we didn't really get a full sense of it. So I go back Sunday after church, and I remember coming to you and saying, like, Phil, we have a real opportunity here. Like, this church is involved because they have a, a bleeding heart for them, but they have no means to keep this up mm -hmm. because they're from, you know. Sacramento, Sacramento. I think. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. it was like, I think this is really where we're at. And, and that's when you came up and we were like, yeah, this is our backyard. We've been praying for Ukraine. Like, and now here they are. Like, let's, let's do this. And that was the start, wow. which is curious because this is the first time I'm thinking of it now. Like April 25th was then the 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 end of it. So it was like a full, full month, month of wow. like pushing. Like wow. this was the start and then it went zero to 100 and we were at 100 until April 25th. Mm. You know? That's nuts. Yeah. Man. And yeah. that was that same weekend then that we met like Vlad. Yes. Yeah. And Roman and Olia yeah. and Sam, Ina. That's yeah. amazing. Because so we went down and just saw like it, it was unorganized. Right. Which is the way all is, these, it is, like yeah. it's a crisis. And so for like clarity for everybody like that listens or watches, Ukrainians were, the, the U.S. government told Ukrainians they're exempt from this thing called Title 42, which held people from claiming asylum at the border. Nobody was allowed to claim asylum since COVID. But the Homeland Security head director whatever his title is said ukrainians are allowed and then the, simultaneously mexico said we're exempting ukrainians from the visa they let them they gave they said no more visa for them which opened all of a sudden this pathway <laughs> right here at tijuana like phil mentioned when ukrainians enter into the united states they were given what's called parole this is a legal status allowing them to enter the country by foot they need a parole because the United States currently has a health ban called Title 42. Title 42 prevents the spread of communicable diseases in the country. Ukrainians were exempted from Title 42. This means they were allowed to enter the United States through Mexico. Parole was not given out to Ukrainians trying to fly into America. This is why they came to Mexico first. Later, they allowed Ukrainians to fly straight into America from Europe. However, when we began to help, Mexico was their only way of coming to America. People kept asking, why not Canada? Because that's a cross, and it's because Canada didn't open up their visa re um, restrictions. Mexico did. So it was that Sunday. That's freaking me out. What's we were at Sesame Place. We were at Sesame Place. Yeah. <laughs> I remember at staff meeting that next day, you kind of said, hey, we're involved, we're going to be involved with this, you know, there's some refugees that are crossing Ukraine, Ukrainians that are crossing the border, we're going to help them out. Um, 
you know, uh, so let's just kind of see what happens. We, we might need your, your help a little bit this week. And I think that day, that day we had, yeah, yeah, we yeah, had just went, a little bit this week. Yeah. And then we went down and I, and I think between one, between like Monday and Tuesday, the park went from like, I think when we first went down, the park had like, there was like 20 people in there yeah. or something. Yeah, it was nothing. They were like in the, in, they weren't even in the inside of the, the bus. They were kind of right. just hanging out. And then between like that time and the next day, there was like 200 people there. Yeah. It was like literally overnight. The park that Carlos is speaking of was a name we gave to a small strip of grass next to a bus stop near the Mexican-U.S. border. This was a place where the Ukrainians gathered to prepare to cross the border. There were many people arriving in Mexico and so few making it across. The process got backed up and the park became overcrowded. At one point, we had several thousand people sleeping at the park until crossing over. The main concerns at the park were theft, trafficking, rats, and general health problems. The people of Tijuana were incredibly thoughtful and helpful. However, it did not change the fact that this small strip of grass was made for a dozen people to enjoy, not thousands of people to sleep on. This was not functional. The excess amount of food and trash piled up in such a way that rodents and other health concerns quickly invaded the park. Everyone did their best to keep it clean, but there is only so much you can do in such a small area. Yep. But I remember that staff meeting was on Monday. We're like, oh, yeah, we might have to help out this week a little what, bit. What was I, was just gonna, I was trying to think of the timeline. It was super bad. But that, from that staff meeting to the next staff meeting is when we started. I think it was like Monday to Monday. That was when we stopped having staff meetings. Because yeah, we yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's when staff meetings exactly. came every, every hour. hour. Every yeah. hour. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 I think it was that quick. I'm pretty sure it was like that next Wednesday. So it was sta that staff meeting on Monday. I think by Wednesday, we were all in already. And I was sick Monday, so I, I missed staff meeting. Yeah, and I came in on Wednesday. It was basically three. It was, and I was like, yeah, that's what right. Happening? And by the time you came it was like back, three days later. Yeah, was, the world was on fire for yeah, us. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I remember what? Phil came in and like, okay, so basically we're just gonna uh, delegate all the jobs because we can't do this. We're dying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a. It's an amazing like, and I think it does speak to like a lot of what we've been all trying to like see God do in our own lives is like, can we just adjust to what God's doing? Like, what is God doing? And then how do we just like do that thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, actually, no, thinking about the timeline again, sorry, going back, it was Monday night when we opened the hub. It yeah. was that Monday night. So yeah. staff meeting, hey, we might need some help. And then it became 24 hour that yeah, day. That, that day. was the yeah. six matches. And I think that's when I had, that was the six yeah, that's I, when I, uh, Frankie and Luis spent yeah. the night here, right? Or was No, we, we stayed because it was like, we didn't know what was going to happen in the middle of the night. And like how quickly things just shifted, mm -hmm. you know, from hour to hour yeah. to hour to hour to hour. It felt like, you know, and then it felt like that by the next day, it no. felt like our world was a new world. Literally, yeah. next day we had no time to celebrate. There was yeah. like ten more families coming yeah. every oh, for sure. like yeah. at two a.m. A local church is taking in Ukrainian refugee families who need help after escaping their country. Many Ukrainian refugee families who have fled their own country have found a safe haven at Calvary San Diego Church in Chula Vista. In the beginning of this operation, the normal route for Ukrainians coming to the States looks something like this. They began by fleeing their homes in Ukraine. Many of these refugees were coming from the Far East, where the fighting with Russia was the most intense. They would either drive, take a bus, or a train out of Ukraine. Once they hit the border of Ukraine, some would wait for up to three days to exit Ukraine into countries like Poland or Hungary. They were received all across Europe by millions. However, 
many Ukrainians had friends and families in the United States and sought out means to get there. Their path would eventually take them to Mexico. Mexico City or Cancun are cities that have direct flights from Europe. From there, people would fly to Tijuana, the city that borders San Diego. This is where Ukrainians found their way to the park, where they would stay for days before finally crossing to the U.S. Once they crossed, we had a volunteer waiting for them at the San Ysidro border, or as we called it, Ped East border. Initially, our volunteers connected with us through word of mouth, WhatsApp, and a video we posted on Instagram where Aaron and Phil asked for help. Here's that clip. Hey, Calvary San Diego, Phil here, Aaron here. We're, um, we're uh, really uh, moving right now with a lot of refugees coming across the border. Um, today's like the first day we're kind of like leading, taking yeah. the lead on that. And um, uh, you know, we have a lot of needs, guys. We need help. Yeah, two of the most common ways you can jump in right now, first and foremost, is drivers. We need drivers going down to the San Ysidro and Otay borders and driving them just here to the church. That's our main way of uh, function is from the border to the church. And then we're also still looking for host families. There's certain people that are, you know, they, they're getting to their family across the United States and they need a day or two just to get their tickets and get everything situated. Also, if you speak Russian or Ukrainian, we can use you immediately right now, either at the hub or at the border. All right, email us, check in with us, call us, do whatever, we need you. When we first started, several Ukrainians hesitated in accepting our help due to a fear of not knowing who we were. In fact, for a Ukrainian refugee, there was a lot of fear in this journey to America. The potential of being kidnapped, trafficked, or taken advantage of were present fears for our refugee friends. However, as time went on, trust grew among the refugees, and people actually began looking for our help. Once they agreed to receive our support at the border, we had a volunteer pick them up and take them to our church. During the start of this operation, our church building was open 24 hours a day to house, feed, and transport any Ukrainians that came through the door. We not only housed them at the church, but we had a large amount of host families to take them into their homes for days or weeks on end. Other volunteers like Meredith Cho are helping host Ukrainian families needing a temporary place to stay. She has already had multiple families stay at her own home the past couple of days. It's humbling. Um, you know, as a parent myself, thinking about what what the reality is for so many of these people, it's just heartbreaking and humbling and it feels like a privilege to actually be able to do something to help individual nice. families. Here is Aaron Sloboda with Channel 8 News about the flow of operations. So once they get to the San Isidro port of entry or the Otay port of entry, we have a system in place to greet them and meet them and then pick them up and drive them here to our church, get them what they need to make it to their final destination. As the number of Ukrainians crossing the border grew, our volunteers also quickly grew. People wanted to help, so we posted an updated clip on how they could help. All right, we're here to give you guys an update on what's going on. Um, Ukraine relief here at Calvary San Diego. Phil Metzger, Aaron Sloboda. Hey. What up? Uh, okay, Aaron, what's going on? Yeah, so first and foremost, I needed to share this, guys. In less than a week, we have covered over a thousand Ukrainian refugees and everyone else. And here's, here's the biggest news. There's not one that has fell through the cracks. Whether it's a ride or a host family or a meal or just a place to stay, we've covered all of it and that's because of you guys. So mm -hmm. God bless you. Uh, reminder, we're still not the heroes in this thing. These yes. moms coming across, these are the real heroes and we get to be a part of their journey. And so 
Here's a quick update in regards to our chats. If you are here at Calvary San Diego, you do not need to fill out any of these forms. Just keep going through the chats that we've added you to now through WhatsApp. Mm -hmm. um, if you are new and you've joined us through uh, any of our news outlets or anything that's been covering this, please fill out that form. We'd like to get to know you mm -hmm. before we throw you into the operation, all right? As Aaron mentioned in the video, many volunteers heard about us through various news channels encouraging people to help. They need more drivers, volunteers, specific food and monetary donations. We have more details and a link to how you can help up on our website. I'm Ariana Cohen for CBS 8. We needed to organize our volunteers quickly because people were coming from everywhere to help. Without a system in place, we could not know who was who. This is why we created a system to vet and process volunteers. We were so blessed by all the people who came out to support our Ukrainian friends. People like Erin, her husband Shannon, Emily, and Rochelle are a few of the amazing people from the Samaritan's Purse working on site at the church. Andrew and Clarissa from Samaritan's Purse were also working hard on the Mexico front. Clarissa went above and beyond her duties to assist the Ukrainians. She was present every day for several weeks and even attended a few of our Sunday services. While at the church, we needed people on site 24 hours a day to assist our Ukrainian friends. These volunteers help Ukrainians find long-term housing and serve those who are staying at the church overnight. This meant we needed people helping cleaning bathrooms, organizing and sorting donations, and making laundromat runs. Hi, I'm Adrian, and I'm a part of Calvary San Diego, and we are receiving Ukrainian refugees from the Mexican border right now. And we're kind of acting like a hub, so we're providing um, just transport from the border basically into San Diego, and then from there, they're going to different locations. We've got uh, uh, multiple different churches coming together that have been bringing supplies and all of that stuff. Um, they come here, they spend the night usually. We've got host families that are taking them into their homes. We've got drivers that are driving people around. Um, trying to think what else. They come here, they take a shower and all of that stuff and you know, just get some sleep before they go on to their final destination. We have different setups right now, so this is where we have a lot of the, this is sort of the mother's area. So we've got feminine hygiene supplies, we have diapers, we've got wipes, we've got formula, we've got all of that kind of stuff, bottles, pacifiers, um, that we're just helping as women and children um, and families are coming across the border. So, um, so this is where we've had a ton of local churches and uh, community members just coming in and they've been dropping off different donations. Um, we've got lots of water, we've got snacks, um, we've got food. We've also got different members of the community and the church that have been pitching in to make meals. Um, so we have a meal sign up and we've been trying to just be organized on that end. Simple tasks like these become a lot more complicated when you have hundreds of refugees flowing through your property every day. Some days, over 50 Ukrainians showed up between the hours of 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. Other days, we would only receive a handful during the same time frame. The flow was never predictable, so we had to be prepared throughout the entire day. Teams like CBI, Calvary Bible Institute, were faithfully at our church 24 hours a day serving in all these areas. People like David and Avery led this amazing team and will forever be remembered as lifesavers during this time. CBI drove hours away just to help. They worked so well together and fulfilled every need they encountered. This often looked like greeting people, cleaning, vacuuming, washing linen, taking trips to the laundromat, cleaning bathrooms, monitoring the shower schedule, arranging air mattresses, sleeping on the floor, or in any nook and cranny they can find, just so our Ukrainian friends felt comfortable. 
They took initiative when needed. They were incredible prayer warriors during this time and displayed great levels of servant leadership. This is just a small glimpse of some of the amazing people we had the pleasure of working with. And through it all, God proved that when he is in the midst of a work, he does amazing things in and through everyone involved. It's been said before on this podcast, and we must say it again. This is not a story about heroes helping those in need or those in need teaching others how to be heroes. This is a story of God intervening in the midst of a tragedy and changing all of our lives forever. What's crazy about that is, is like, the staff meeting was like, we might need help. You know, this is what's happening. But not even, there wasn't even time, like, for all the logistics of how is this going to work, you know, thinking about it. There was no time to think. Like, this was happening, and this is what we had to do. So, and then just adjusting, pivoting, like, every day, every couple hours or whatever that looked like. But there was no time to have, like, a specific plan. Mm. We knew it was happening. We knew there was a need. And it got done. I mean, we, we did it not, not because we wanted to be heroes, but just because this was the need that was happening. And I think so much of what we've been learning as a team and as a church about having that servant's heart of like, we're just want to, we're just grateful to get to be involved with what God has. Yeah. We have a role or yeah, we have certain jobs that we want to get done, but we just want to be. And so I feel like yeah. every day, like just showing up and being like, can I take out the trash? Can I make a fruit salad? Can I organize the kids' corner? Like, what can I do? Like, I just mm. want to do something. And just being able to have that heart, and the Lord just, like, brought that. Yeah. And there was there was that pivot, and it was such a, a smooth pivot. It wasn't like, wait, I did this. Why is he doing it? It was like, right. no, let's do this together. together. And then willing to, to yield and, and move. And I think other churches that came and served with us, I think they were taken aback mm-hmm. of, like, well, you guys, like, who are you? Like, what are you doing? And mm-hmm. it was cool to see, like, I'm just taking out the trash. You know, you want to help me? And there was that, that camaraderie and unity that it wasn't about roles. It wasn't about a hierarchy of who's who. And is this, you know, I, people were just giving me tours of the church. And I'm like, <laughs> I live here. You know? Like, come here, Ukrainian woman. You know? No, like other teams or other church groups. Like, let me show you where you can put the trash. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, like, maybe, maybe they changed today than they did yesterday. You know, maybe there's a new place. But it's like, that's the beauty. It wasn't about who's who and whose title is this and what's your gifting even. It was like, God, just use me. There were so many people going back and forth. They didn't even know. Nobody yeah. even knew oh, who's yeah. who. Nobody knew who was anybody yeah. at that point. <laughs> and so I think, funny. like, when we talk about, like, I think, like, a, a lesson for a lot of church teams, if they were to listen to something like this, mm-hmm. is the beauty of, like, the, our team dynamic. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were literally all here 24-7 <laughs> for weeks and and when I say 24-7, I mean almost literally. Like, oh, yeah. You know, it was 16, 18-hour days on a slow day. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know? and every one of our offices was used. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say. I mean, you never know when you when I would get in at like 5 a.m., open up the door. I would never know who's in my <laughs> office. Yeah. And we tried to keep my office like keep it free so well, we it was could the storage all meet. room yeah. too yeah yeah so we can meet in there or whatever and sometimes we just open the door and like random people are sleeping or, or just yeah it was like my favorite insane. was walking in in the morning and seeing one of our like principals jay you know one of our school admin guys he he walked in and there was a kid laying <laughs> in his office asleep, <laughs> yeah, in a sleeping bag and jay was so good he's like no problem man you probably need to sleep just stay just stay asleep you know? I, I thought that's so was... but i think as a team dynamic that's a right. really powerful like we never 
I mean, it's only the grace of God for that, but we, I, I looked forward to seeing all your faces every day. Right. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. like, what are the odds of that? Not, not, just as a team dynamic, that's a real, that's a real grace of God. Yeah, and if yeah. you slept more than four hours, it's like, oh man, I missed something. Yeah. 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 I missed something, yeah. you know? Yeah. I was yeah. thinking back to that Saturday right before everything jumped because Sunday morning is when we already thought we had the plan to like build the Excel sheets to invite our congregation to host and drive. Mm. And so we took inventory that Sunday and we said, hey, anyone who wants to be a part of this, like as a host family or to drive, like please sign up. And I remember our foyer being like 80 people long. That's right. And it started, I was sitting oh, yeah. there with an iPad gaining oh, people. Yeah. And then I was like, oh my gosh, my wife jumps in. Alexis is there adding people. And I was like, Kia, jump in. And like, we're throwing like four or five people just to add people to our list who wanted to host. The whole church wanted or who to help. Wanted to, everybody's like, yeah. please let me help. Please let me help in whatever way I can help. And we're like, Okay, we were really hoping, honestly, my, my goal is like, if we had like five houses, yeah. we could pull this whole thing off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, if we could have like six drivers for like a couple hours, you know, we could, we could well, pull this off. Well, jump to the end, we had over 125 host families and a solid 50, 60 people driving. Of just our congregation. Yeah. As stated before, we were overwhelmed by the help and buy-in from our congregation. People like Roy and Sue Seidel, who helped house Ukrainians for months. Here is KPBS sharing part of their story. It's not like having strangers in our house. It's like, it, I feel like we've known them. The Seidels took them in, helped them get some clothes, showed them around San Diego, and even raised money for their airfare to Kentucky, where they have family. We wanted to help them and bless them, but they have been a huge blessing to us. Our very own Nick Roach from season one of the podcast and his wife, Anne Marie, also help house Ukrainian families. Here's a clip of Nick from the NBC special, Inspiring America. Former NFL player Nick Roach and his wife, Anna Marie, felt like history paid a visit. We watch the news and we see these stories of things going on in the world, but you never expect really to be a part of helping it or changing it, and let alone especially having it literally show up on your doorstep. They asked us to excuse the mess they had 20 unexpected Ukrainian guests the night before. They have six kids of their own, yet still made room for more refugees. I think it's just a part of being human. There's that innate desire to, to act like we're actually one species. The amount of drivers we had transporting Ukrainians from the border to the church was also overwhelming. Here is our good friend Dima sharing about that. We've been so blessed to be able to help those in need. We are, I am actually just meeting them at the border, uh, going there in a van, picking up them up, bringing them to the church, and however we could be of service to them is such a blessing for us. How many trips would you say you do? Well, from 12 to five, I picked up approximately 30 to 40 people in about seven trips. So, yeah, so it takes about, Depending on traffic, it takes 15 minutes to a half hour to get down there. We have a meeting spot and then we uh, pick up anywhere from three to nine people at a time. You know, and we, we should be clear, like we're not the church that like, when we give an opportunity, everybody always right. does yeah. that. Yeah. No, right. You know, we're like rare. a normal church right. where, yeah. you know, a, a small group of people kind of do everything all the time. And yet in this thing, the Lord just pressed it into everybody and yeah, to and jump in. What I think really happened is like we were already working through this identity crisis, if you will, of like, who are we? And yet it wasn't just us in this room thinking about it. It was like God was also moving local church, global heart in our congregation. Oh, 
totally. Like that was already part of the narrative being written in their lives, totally. you know? So who bought the air mattresses? Ben, was that you? Yeah. You well, I was there the night they weren't there. We <laughs> <laughs> it was me and Demas. It was just us yes. two. I remember Aaron yeah. was like, hey, could you come fill in? I had no idea what that meant. Before <laughs> the air mattresses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So then I was like, I went home and I brought, I had two air mattresses at my house that were like mine and like blankets and pillows. And I was, because we were out that night, that Tuesday night. And I was like, I just need to go home and get these. So then I was like, Demas, I just need you for like, I live 15 minutes away. I'll be right back. I remember rushing there at like one in the morning, and then even like we we were flooded that night. Yeah, I remember Aaron. I felt so bad calling him because he was like, "Hey, I'm just gonna get a couple hours." He got maybe <laughs> two three hours by the time I called him. He's like, "Yeah, I'll be there." He was like just so tired, <laughs> so sleepy. It was great. I left at two forty seven and got called at four forty seven. Yeah, all right, here we are. Let's do it. That was the night. It Little just nap. Like, yeah, where we needed like hundreds of air mattresses that next day. Yeah. We started with, like, we had upstairs in our doghouse, we had probably six or seven air mattresses. Mm. Six of them were working. Yeah. <laughs> so we set those up. We, But my wife and I, we went to Walmart and bought blankets, some toothpaste, and basics for, like, six people. Before yeah, yeah. That's a good start, and that's how we started. This is where we got the title of this episode. We started off this whole operation thinking our six air mattresses were a great start. The reality is we had never been so wrong. We quickly realized, much like Sheriff Brody, that we were going to need a bigger boat. Or in this case, we needed more air mattresses. However, even though the need was great, God proved to be greater in every way. In a sense, this episode reminds us of when Jesus fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish. All we had were six air mattresses. Even still, God provided much more than we could ever imagine. At times, it felt chaotic and impossible. Yet God was in the midst of every moment. An example of this was when Ben, our finance manager, and Emily from Samaritan's Purse brainstormed a way to make sure everyone received clean and disinfected bedding. With so many Ukrainians coming in and out of our church daily, there was a constant need for washing 60 blankets, comforters, and pillows each day. Emily brought this to fruition. She spearheaded a system that helped ensure our Ukrainian friends got clean and disinfected air mattresses, pillows, and blankets. The Samaritan's Purse team also made numerous runs to Walmart to purchase shade covers, chairs, and any items we needed. Again, God proved to be so much bigger than the needs in front of us. And then, and then, and this went like we've said, zero to one hundred. Immediately. It's yeah. not, not even an overnight. It was within an hour or right. two. It we're we're now dealing with, and, and so for people like listening or watching, we're talking at, at the peak, we're in the 400s range of people coming through right. every single day and night. And I remember thinking, I was texting with one of our other ladies in our church, Hillary, actually, and we were saying, what are things that people are going to need? And we were thinking of Syria. We were thinking of our small experience in Budapest. What were the things that they needed? They needed feminine product. They needed toothpaste. They needed, you know, and then we were like, okay, let's just make a list. We put a list together, and we and that, that list became like the huge list. That became posted. We were like buried alive by feminine product. laughing about. Aaron and I are laughing because, I yeah, yeah, tell, because yeah, I can't remember exactly what happened. I just okay, remember. Okay, so <laughs> Samaritan's Purse jumps in, and we're building hygiene kits. And they bought specific supplies and set it on the table, and they told Phil, and no one else knew this, but they told <laughs> Phil, like, hey, we want to build these, these things. And he's like, oh, just leave it right here on the break table, right? 
And at that point, like, he walks away for, like, 15 minutes, though, right? And in those 15 minutes, we had an awesome crew who's, like, organizing everything. So they move everything on this table. It's, like, toothpaste is here, feminine products here, all the way through. And so everything's being moved. And she just remembered. And so... <laughs> <laughs> so everything's moved, and then Phil comes back because Samaritan's Purse just jumped on board. It was like them getting their toes wet, and he, he just really wanted them to be able to build what they said they wanted to yeah. build. And so all the products that were just there, Phil's like, what the heck? Where did everything go, you know? And, and everyone's like, well, what do you mean everything? Now Joy and him are just having the discussion. Joy becomes the buffer of, like, <laughs> Phil's bit of frustration there for a moment. And she's like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, it was... It, Toothpaste and, and toothbrushes and and and, and, and tampons. <laughs> and, and Joy's like walking out now a bit frustrated too. And she's like, somebody find Phil his tampons. Somebody find Phil his tampons. <laughs> Where's my tampons? <laughs> and that's when everyone realized the moment we're like dying laughing. Here we are. Oh. Well, we're like, we literally have a room filled with tampons. Yes. We yeah. never Phil's thought. upset that he did keep that. Yeah, like, I, you know, where are my tampons? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh it my gosh. And, and I think that was like a. It was like the amount of like. I mean, let's talk about like the amount of things because that's another part of this. People came out of everywhere. Yes. We eventually had to build an Amazon wish list. That Elena built the wish list of like, hey. Here's what we actually need because people started bringing us yeah. the craziest yeah. things. Five dolls, wedding dresses, three foot bathing dolls. suits, bikinis. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, how many 200 bathing suits? <laughs> bathing suits? I'm like, that's the first time the creepiest mentioned. dolls that were in here for a while. <laughs> no, but crazy things too. I mean, I mean, I'm sure we all could tell stories, but there was a Ukrainian family, American family. I don't know how long they've lived in the US. Oh, they yeah. drove out with a backload full of stuff. They probably cleared out their garage. You know, nothing on the list, just kind of a lot of random miscellaneous. But there were a couple nice carry-on suitcases. And they were kind of apologetic even as they were unloading. At that point, we had kind of an unloading set, you know, area. And so I was like, no, we'll take it. At that time, we were taking things. You know, we had to kind of, we had to hold off a little bit towards the end. But they had kind of apologetically, like, handed out some suitcases that they had put some blankets in and all. Well, I went inside, and at the exact same moment, some of our volunteers are translating and communicating with some Ukrainians. Their, their luggage had been lost. Their suitcases had been That's broken right. or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Like, are there any suitcases? And I'm going, as a matter of fact, there is. And we run outside, grab the suitcase. I'm telling this American-Ukrainian family who's apologetically like, here's my old suitcase, kind of feeling really embarrassed because they want to help but all they have are some old suitcases yeah and i'm going this suitcase is going to help this family and they they start weeping they come in introduce themselves to these oh. ukrainians speaking ukraine like those moments happen like continuously yeah. like i think that was the fuel that kept yeah. us going we had even those bathing suits another group needed them for oh, an outreach yeah. they were going on are you yeah. serious? to mexico a I ukrainian family that came to help with us just in translation, they're like, we're actually going on a trip to Mexico, and we were going to have to buy bathing suits. I was so mad at the person who dropped <laughs> out the bathing suits, and now I'm so thankful for them. Yeah, yeah, no joke. Like, yeah. that, was a, that was a real thing. And that was so continuous throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Like, nothing went to waste. People were so, so nothing generous. Nothing went to waste. It was amazing. Yes. Like, the whole... The church community, San Diego community, people drove from up north oh, to yeah. drop off stuff throughout the United States. It was just amazing. Like people just, like you said, came out of the woodworks to be able to help. And 
I don't also think that's an understatement. It was like actually yeah. throughout the United yeah, States. For like sure. People showed up everywhere. from yeah. I mean, I still, We still everywhere. get emails and phone calls. Yeah. Can I, I donate? Over, I'm still going through emails. On one of the emails, I had over 3,000 emails. Yeah. And people upset because I couldn't get back to them. You know, because they, they were upset because they hadn't received a phone call back that they wanted to help. They wanted to open yeah. up their home, which is great. Yeah. You know, we're all in it together. They're desiring to help and to host. Where we're desiring to help and to, you know, do what we need to do here. But the irony of someone being upset because they <laughs> want to help so much and they're not getting a call back. But at the same time, we are in it yes. trying to the same. Well, and I don't I don't know that yes. people understood and maybe they still don't. How many of us are there in this room? Yeah. This is it. This is all, I mean, yeah, we had tons of people helping, but in terms of as a staff, like we're not a big, we're not a mega church with thousands of people to pull from. There's like 10 of us that were in this every yeah. single day. And I think people forgot that, you know, like their, their assumption is with the, the, the scope of what you're doing, this must be a large operation. It's like, it is a large operation. We're small. And we <laughs> heard that from like the Samaritans first people, yeah. lots of people were like, wait, that's your staff? Like yeah. this, that's all? That's it? Yeah. yeah. And I think like after each um, news article came out and that's, that's, I mean, there was, I don't know, 50 news articles that came out from our church, from the local newspaper all the way to New York Times and everything in between, San Diego Tribune, LA Times, TV, you know, CNN, like all that stuff. And as each one came out, we would have more and more people mm. Uh, help want to help and like bring food and bring all kinds of clothing and i remember one of my favorite stories about that is this there were these these two like ladies in their in their 20s and they were driving down from encinitas because they they read a, a, st a story about what we were doing and so like we're gonna just drive down a we're just gonna get a whole bunch of supplies they got like water and they got you know like the um costco chicken like fresh chicken and they had like uh, fresh fruit and strawberries, all the stuff. And then at the very end, they had a case of Modelo, cold Modelo. <laughs> and these are people that they, they're not church people. You know, they were just like, we want to help. And it was like, they, they did it with like a heart of life. It was a hot day and they just figured yeah. a cold a case of ice cold beer would help, you know? And I was just thinking, this is so amazing that the, that the community is getting involved in this way and just helping out. It was so amazing to see how many people, I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people came through during that month with food, with supplies. I mean, it was unbelievable. Every single day. And they well, were and really... I, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I don't know if this is changing the subject. No, you do. But they were committed. Like, I just mm -hmm. remember even going back to, like, the shifts and roles. Like, I would come in, change, taking things out of my office because I feel like demons slept in my, on the couch. <laughs> and... Then I, one of my doors was like had a bunch of stuff in front of it, so I had to go use the other entrance, tidy it up, go get a kid to do some therapy with, come back <laughs> yeah. with the kid, and then I'm stopped at the the tape where all the suitcases were, and they're like, uh, like who are you? You can't come in here. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, I uh, like trying to explain myself. You're no, like, I'm about here. to do therapy. My office is right around here. Like, can I come in, please? Or taking the kid out, and I'm getting stopped, and so finally I'm like, um. I just, well, you just got to reintroduce yourself yeah. and tell them what you do because there's another person who wasn't there the time before trying to. <laughs> trying to yeah. and do you guys remember with yeah. that? Like, I, I was thinking, like, because when we started, we we're like, okay, Aaron, run point on this thing. And then the thing overwhelmed us all. Yeah. We're like, okay, let's, let's split this up and this up. And now we've got a difference. And then it became, okay, this is a 24 hour, seven day a week. Let's get on three shifts. I think we oh. tried to do, uh, at one point we were doing two shifts. We all did. 
20, awesome. every shift. Every shift. But, but we tried to do like three shifts, right? Three eight-hour shifts where the whole day, and no joke, if you were here at one shift and not at the next one, you didn't know who they were. They didn't know who you were because we were bringing people in from all over California to help Huge helps. I mean, Bible colleges, churches, um, Ukrainian community, Russian CBI, community. Like, CBI, let's yeah. not forget those guys. Calvary Bible <laughs> Institute. Yeah, they were amazing. amazing. Yeah. But they were the ones that would like come in and they're like, yeah. sorry, I don't know who you yeah. are. It's a joy. Yeah. Like, uh, and if you need to throw something away, this is where it goes. Do you goes. have a badge <laughs> so I could see real quick? They exactly. knew more than we did at the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then the badges, you know, like, okay, we have so many people that are here to help. We don't even know who you are. Are you a, you know, are you... Uh, we call them our guests rather than refugees. Yeah. Are you a guest or are you a helper? Oh, like, yeah. who are you? And it really, the irony is, um, like, I was thinking of this one guy, Victor, who I oh. thought was a oh, helper. Yeah. But had come across and was waiting for the rest of his family. Well, there were so many people like that who were guests who crossed the border and they then got served. over it and they yeah. became came volunteers. Back. They came yeah. back. For they days. Took, they came, came back. back. They were taking out the trash. They were showing me where to put the trash. Yeah. They were the ones. Yeah. They just crossed over the border two days there, before. There were so many people that were just waiting for their family members. Like they, they had been living here for several years who just showed up and were just waiting for, you know, mom, yeah. dad, sister to cross. Yeah. And they were just a part of our operation for like days even weeks sometimes and i think like we have to remember like you know we didn't do this just to like you know there's always there's needs everywhere we know that right but the lord put this into our lives like we know that and i think you know we're we were always like cognizant of okay lord how do you want to use us it wasn't just like let's fulfill a need but lord how do you want to use us and i was thinking about victor because i'm still in touch with victor and i was thinking about him because you know he's an atheist and a pretty strong, solid atheist. And he was a guest. And one of our main leaders as a part of this, her name is Olia. She's a real estate, I don't know what she does, big wig in San Francisco. She left her job. She's Ukrainian and came down to serve uh, and mainly served in Tijuana. But she's also an atheist. And it's funny because like both, like, so I didn't know this about Victor. I didn't know he was a guest who was helping. I thought he was just a helper. And we start talking some more, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm waiting for this. I'm waiting for this. I'm like, hey, do you mind if I pray for you? I didn't know he was an atheist. And he's like, well, you can pray, but I don't believe there is a God. I'm like, well, I do. I'll pray for you. Who knows? Maybe God will answer really quick. And it was about his family. And we prayed. That night, his family got released. Wow. And he was like, there has to be a God. He's like, seriously, oh, wow. I'm telling you, there has to be a God. Same story with Olia. She's like, all of you Christians... You know, they're a very blunt group of people, you know, and she's like, I'm an atheist, but you Christians make me think there's got to be more to this. And I think that it really did a lot of like damage to the devil mm-hmm. in how people saw the church yeah. Absolutely. and the gospel. Like people, I think it's, and I think it's fair if we could just say this, most people don't get the point of church. Right. Like, it's just you're giving up some of your Sunday. You're giving up good earned money to a group of people that who knows what they're doing with it. You know, all the, people who aren't believers, people in yeah, the world. Yeah, yeah, who don't know what the church is. Like, they look at the church from the outside and they're like, what's your value? Mm-hmm. You know, like, what is it you're providing? Are you a club for who? And then all of a sudden, this kind of a thing made everybody go, dang, the church has some value. And, and I'm talking about, I know we have value apart from this. Yeah. Sure. In Christ and as a gospel outreach. But if you don't value Christian things, you look at the church like, what are they doing? Yeah. This made people go, oh, dang, the church has some value. Because it was the church that stepped up. I mean, totally. it was, 
there were there were those people that would just wanted to help that were atheists, but I think majority, I mean, ninety percent probably were were and believers. the structure came from the church. I yeah. think that's yeah. key. It's like yeah. a lot of people wanted to help Muslims, Jews, every group. They were great. That's you know we'll we have, have to talk about that. Yeah, oh, we had a joke. Yeah. Every day was a new joke. A rabbi, a priest, and a Calvary pastor <laughs> walked into a bar. You know, <laughs> but I think that like it's true that like where they were all really helpful. It it took the local church to become that structure yeah. for that. You guys were going to say something, I think? Uh, yeah, go for it. I was just going to say kind of what you're talking about is what God did in all this stuff. This crossed cultures. cultures. It, it really did. It, it crossed ethnicity, race, believers, non-believers. I mean, everything. Yeah. Everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, God did something so amazing in this whole situation that it really could have only been done by the Lord because, you know, people were just amazed. Like I had people come up to me like, I can't believe you're helping Ukrainians. Like why, you know, why, (laughs) what does that have to do with anything? Like we're, God just did something incredible. Yeah. When friends say they love you, but they changing on you. Yeah. When people say they praying for you, but you know, they really praying on you. Yeah, you trust somebody with your heart, then they take it from you. Oh, even when I don't see the way, God said I'm gonna be okay. My cousin got locked up for murder. The system took years to find out he ain't do it, or maybe the whole time they knew he ain't do it, and they just saw another black boy they could screw with. Then they tried to lock up my brother Lil Wooda. You would know he was innocent if only you knew him. So when they asked me why I attacked these bars, cause I almost lost my whole family to him. The church tell me talk by your shoe. The streets say you ain't talking to They knock me down when I move up. I just been trying to maneuver. Guess I can't win till I lose much. I was always trying to prove stuff with all of the people I used up. I don't know why God would use this man. But I don't got the place to assume his plan. No matter what I face, can't remove his hand. I know what it feels like to hit rock bottom. PTSD, melatonin, milligram. I was crying in the sheet. I was eating out of the can. Had some numbers to delete because I thought that you were found. For me to accomplish now, nah, I know defeat was just for me to stand. Southside sorrow left me broken. Trying to get control of my emotions. Bottom of the bottle like the ocean. Drowning, and I wonder if they notice I'm still a man. The world keeps turning like the ceiling fan. Monty had to learn how to kneel to stand. I just ask God for a healing hand. Reveal your plan. Cause I've been too cool this whole time. Ain't ever had to run, and I never hide. If you wanna look for me, you gotta run some Spend a honeycomb nights by my lonesome Yeah, 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 pass me another one And miss me with that other one, yeah Pass me another one Miss me with that other one, yeah I've been too cool this whole time Never had to run and I never hide. If you wanna look for me, you gotta run some. Spend a honeycomb nights by my lonesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pass me another one. Miss me with that other one. Pass me another one. Miss me with that other one. We ain't on the same thing. You have been listening to Crossing Cultures. The song you just heard was Southside Sorrow by Jay Monty. You can find his music on any music platform. As we are creating these episodes, the war in Ukraine is still going on. 
As a church, we are currently involved in financing and aiding our missionary friends and families in Ukraine and Europe. The aid is used to help get people out of Ukraine safely and get needed supplies into the country. If you would like to help donate to this cause, please go to calvarysd.com forward slash Ukraine Relief. You can find this link in the description of this episode. And stay tuned for our next episode of Crossing Cultures, available October 7th. In this episode, we will continue discussing our involvement with Ukrainian refugees on the San Diego front. This episode was produced by Phil Metzger and edited by Luis Lopez. This podcast is a ministry of Calvary San Diego. My name is Kia Lopez, and you have been listening to Crossing Cultures.